0: Welcome to Reading Literature in the Age of Trump. Uh, My name is Dominic Plaza. Here with me is Maddie and David, and we will be discussing Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Really cool book. Um, I mean, what I like most about it is a memoir, clearly, you know, reflections of somebody's life and uh, where they've came from to where they are now and how they've achieved success through a very rigorous, you know, lifestyle where they were born into. But, um, Yeah, so we're going to kick it off with uh, basically discussing what this message is and how this book is so relatable in our culture today. So, yeah, what do you guys have to say about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I think memoirs are really cool because it gives you a perspective that you've never thought of before, and especially with this one, I'm sure nobody has really delved into the depths of accountability culture. And like, especially nowadays in like the era of Trump, it's important to think about how other people think in the country and how people on the other side of the political spectrum think of you.
2: I, I completely agree. Yeah, opinion. but um, one thing I think is important to keep in mind that we were talking about earlier in the class mm-hmm. was this is a book that's pretty conscious of its politics and what it's doing uh, to forward a message, particularly like a Republican message. I think uh, in one of the articles that we talked about outside of the or from outside of the uh, outside of the book the Japanese article was breaking down that Vance has political ties to the right side that he like openly admits and like through his wife and other things like he right. Right. has like a deep belief in smaller government and so I kind of see this book as a vehicle to distance itself from the zealot like the zealots on the Trump side. While also trying to appeal to people like in the middle class, right. and make yeah. make like the programs that they're they're looking at more accessible to people that have been disillusioned with like maybe their political parties and like flip people on like a, on like the Democrats side, yeah. like maybe to a right yeah. side. Yeah,
0: I I completely agree. And you know, this book uh, was a huge factor in the uh, you know 2016 elections when uh, driving a lot of Trump voters. You know, uh, it was kind of like you said, a, a vehicle for, you know, their voices, kind of, and, like, representing who they were in a less zealous way, which, yeah, completely understand that. But, um, yeah, and I think some of, like, the, the overall message of this book is pretty clear. It describes a very, you know, um, you know kind of familiar story of somebody coming up from a, a point of, like, poverty, you know, and coming from nothing. To achieving success, which is miraculous, you know, it's it's a great story about that. Um, but uh, there, there's a lot of purpose to it too, and I think that you know we just explained that with the uh, vehicle using it in a political stance or something like that, where we represent people who are not particularly, you know, thought about a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah. What else, guys? Yeah, I mean. The, the, a lot of it speaks to like the American Dream, in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the idea of like somebody comes from nothing and then makes their way up to like the pinnacle of society, which in Vance's case is I don't know, going to Yale Law School, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a, a crazy feat for somebody where he came
0: from.
1: Yeah. yeah, I thought the overall theme was just like culture in general, like you know, the class culture, but also just like hillbilly culture versus everybody else in America and how they view hillbilly culture, mm-hmm. and then like. You see a lot throughout the book him discussing like him versus people he knows who like aren't from his background and people he's met throughout the way who have lived differently than him and how he's trying to understand how people live.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely like a huge part of it, and it speaks to me a lot because I I grew up um, like like my pops was a public defender, mm-hmm. and but he's from like West Side Philly in the '70s, and like my uncle like that's a whole different thing and then my mom's from San Jose but like her folks were like migrant migrant farmers and things like that so like I'm I'm like a generation removed from a lot of the like those instances that uh that Vance is like talking about and my mom my mom never got a got like a college education or anything like she had a she had a kid done my half sister and so like a lot of this like resonates with me personally yeah at least on like in like how I how I like have had relationships with my family so like i've seen a lot of like these things and it's weird having grown up in like a suburb where you see a lot of the things that he's talking about like outside of like the hillbilly culture like i've seen a whole lot of this stuff like crowd up around me and like stuff like that yeah like dysfunctional families heavy alcoholism like heavy-handed heavy-handed parents and things like that like my friend one of my best friends like spent most of his time getting kicked out by his mother when his dad was like overseas because he was, he was working and like, he'd have to stay in my house at times. So like, there's like definitely like that culture, like it reaches across just not just the hillbilly culture, but like into other places too. Like, yeah, I
0: completely agree. I think that the, it has a huge relatable factor. I mean, written by an original Joe, if you want to call him that, you know, where he came from and stuff like that. So you can relate to it in a lot of ways. And I, I could say a lot of the same things is like, I can relate to it through, through my father and stuff like that. You know, parents divorce has to pay rent at 18 to his own mom. You know, he never went to college working in a shop and you know, he's taught me the same kind of things. Hard work pays off and stuff like that. So I'm like one of the first in my family to go to college, which I think is really cool. But you know, so I can relate to this book a lot too. And it, it does speak for more than just a hillbilly, you know, aspect. it It kind of uses the word hillbilly in a sense to kind of like cap it into like, you know, it wants to be like the lower class kind of thing. So when we think of hillbilly, we think of all redneck, you know, a bunch of teeth like missing and stuff like that. But it kind of, it it, it does have a broader sense when he is relating it to a, a bunch of other things that we come across every day, whether we know somebody who's been through things like this or whether us ourselves have been through things like this yeah definitely
1: so, yeah. yeah he even compares like his culture to like people of color and like hispanic culture, and he's like he said he like read articles about like the the differences between like i'm trying to think of the right word here, but um he like read articles about like written by like black writers about their inconvenience in like this country and he like that totally relates to my family, and like you know obviously it's a totally different culture with different background, but like they have the same experiences in this country.
0: Oh. For sure. Yep. Um, What are some of your guys' favorite, you know, kind of like excerpts or something from this book? What are some some of your favorite scenes? Do you guys have any favorite scenes or anything? I'm interested in what what caught your guys' attention.
1: I think the scene, like when his mom tries to kill him is like a really big scene and it's really pivotal for the entire book because that sets a precedent for how he feels about his mom. Mm And and I think that's... I think that's a great scene. But, um, yeah, that was the first time we actually saw his mom like struggling with her addiction because before that, it was like, oh, they would rock movies together, and, like, they'd hang out together, and he loved his mom. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to kill him and go like, him off the road, and then he's like, oh my God, Like, how can I love this woman who's trying to kill me? And that's kind of his mindset. You know, He's trying to struggle with how he feels about his mom.
0: That's where that huge family loyalty aspect comes into it, mm-hmm. and uh, we're being joined by Suzanne.
3: Yes. Yes.
0: All right, cool. Great to have you. Um, we're kind of just in the middle of talking about, like, our favorite scenes right now and stuff like that. Um, you favorite
2: scene you want to discuss? Or? She, I think, she, she already, I'm sorry, I'm zoning on names, I'm so bad with them. But, um, Maddie. Maddie, I'm sorry. I, I'll get it right. Um, hit One of the scenes that I, I thought was, like, super pivotal to it, the other one that in my head, which is one that we discussed before, is his, the thing that, like, it, it's his first year in Yale Law School, and he's mm-hmm. talking about how, like, the school is so different from the other things, and, like, how it's introducing him to, like, an entirely new culture. It's, it, it's interesting to me in that, like, he's promoting, a like, looking outside of your own culture for fixes to things, which I think is, like, hugely important, and kind of, I feel like he's like almost Trojan forcing like like people. Like he's like he's like, yo, like this is if you're smart enough to realize that I'm giving you the keys. These are the keys that you can use to get yourself out of here. Like I see that, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, that was also I, I wrote about that as
0: well. Um, how the list, you know, when he lists all the things that he didn't know, I thought that was like a good scene because that's kind of funny, you know. It's like it's like he's part of the American culture, but he's still getting American culture shock, which is which is hilarious. But uh, it's really ironic. Another scene I wrote about was uh, when he was a Marine and he was um, touring and he gave a little boy uh, like an eraser Mm -hmm. and he was just like, he just saw his face light up and stuff. And it was kind of cool to see him on the other side, you know, it was kind of like he was on the giving end where he was always on, you know, like the receiving kind of, you know, being from poverty and stuff like that where he is giving somebody something now and it's, it gave him a little more worldly aspect, too, because he realizes, like, holy, you know, like, oh, my gosh, people in other countries are, you know, far more worse than where I came from, you know, and stuff like that, where, like, he, ex- he explains a two-cent eraser, he said, never seen such excitement on a child's face, and I thought that was, like, really cool, where he kind of, you know, gets that, and then he goes on to talk about epiphanies, and how he doesn't believe in epiphanies, how it's, like, a transformation, it's, like, over time, I thought that was a great, like like, excerpt out of there yeah anything
3: um, I'm not sure what you guys have covered yet um, I just mentioned the oh I mean the entire chapter of Papa's death and just how it affects uh, the family um, I there's a lot I'm not sure exactly what he says but there's a quote that basically says that um, that was the turning point in his life and that's what really affected him and his family, and that's what kind of brought everyone's true self out a little bit. Um, for instance, like when he, when uh, Mama's vulnerability is kind of revealed in some of the moments, and just, uh, that's the when um, his mom's uh, personality really comes out even more so, that's when she...
0: About it. Oh, yeah. Anyway.
3: And, yeah, and and everything kind of goes even more downhill for her, and she gets into drugs again. And, and you yeah, know, that just sort of, I think it just revealed a lot about him and his mom and mama and every other person in his family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I see that completely. Um, do you guys have any, like, you know, key examples as to why this book can help us understand some particular aspects right now in this Trump era. How can this this book, you know, be like useful to us in understanding, you know, other sides of arguments that we don't completely understand, and vice versa, you know. Cool.
3: Well, yeah. well,
1: he explains like he says like, his mama and his papa were like like diehard Democrats until like something changed and they like changed the way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, like, was probably just because, like, there's a scene, isn't there, like, when he's watching out the grocery store, like, he's, work, he's working as a bag boy, he's watching all these people talking on their cell phones and, like, paying with, like, welfare checks. But he's, like, how can you afford a cell phone where you have to get money from the government for your own food and groceries? And I actually looked up online, like, how this related to Trump because it's not really evident in the book. He doesn't mention Trump's name ever in the book. So I found an article from the Daily Mail And the quote was, "Welfare dependency had reduced his community to hopelessness, inertia, and despair. So the fact that all these people living around him were depending on the government and he couldn't do that, but then he was working hard enough and paying the government taxes, like, he felt that, like, personal. And he was like, okay, like, we should change, like, how we view things and how we live our lives. And that kind of led to his family becoming more conservative.
2: Mm -hmm. Which ties back into the thing that I was like, which is why I think yeah. this book can be so dangerous is that like it's it, it's essentially saying like we should eliminate the safety net that's been established for people that like like you're not supposed to be on welfare long term. It's not it's not a program that's set up for people to be on for a long time. It's set up for people that are having like moments of stress or like things like that, like families that are like like unable to pay like for their for their food or like for their bills during during a period of like need. And to allow them to have enough space to get out of that but because of i think we're talking about it like before like regular economics and things like that they created an image of welfare dependency which is something that uh like particularly like in in the current area right right uh right leaning politicians like to trot out as a talking point Mm -hmm. and that's that's i i think that because this is so relatable is what makes it so dangerous is because i don't think I, don't, I mean, for people that haven't been touched by, like, poverty or by, like, like alcoholism or, like, chemical dependency issues and things like that or mental health issues, stuff that can, like, strike out of nowhere or even just tragedy in life, like, in general, um, it's, like, it's really easy to think, oh, like, yeah, if these people are depending on it. Why am I paying? Why am I paying for them to, like, do this kind of stuff? Whereas, like, welfare programs, I think, I'd, I'd have to look up the statistics again, but, like... I think like more than like eighty percent of the people that like, get on it are off, it, off again with like within like four to six months or something like yeah. that. I can't yeah. remember the exact numbers, I'd have to look them up, but that's yeah. like yeah. I, I I got I I like cheered up watching this. I got like really, really bothered by a lot of it and t- and then like was even like nodding along because of like how much I resonated with like a lot of the a lot of the characters in it. But ultimately I think like the, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I think the point that he's trying to make about like he's he's, he's trying to flip people from, like, blue to red, Mm -hmm. especially, like, middle class, like... like, I feel like that's, like, exactly the demographic that he's going after, which is, like, a huge amount of population in the U.S.
1: He's also not... Yeah, I'm sorry.
2: No, 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 it's okay, go for it.
1: He's also just not being aggressive about it, though, because when you see, like, conservative memoirs, I guess, or conservative texts, like, it's very aggressive, it's very hateful. And J.D. Vance's book was lovely and honest and nice. And he just said, like, this is my family experience. This is what we've been through personally. This is how I feel about it. And this is how I think about it. And he wasn't, like, trying to push his views, I think, on his audience. I think he was just trying to explain his side of the story. And he did it in a really nice way, which was the twist. Because how it ended was, like, him becoming a conservative. And I was like, oh.
3: Yeah, I have to say, it took me pretty much till the end of the book to even really determine who- where his stance was on the political spectrum because he did not, he never really brought up I am this or I am that. It's just more so like described uh, his um, upbringing in hillbillies in general and his family. And so you're supposed to kind of guess, well, his family's like this, so I think he's this way, but it was a little hard to determine that at first.
0: Yeah. I really like how this book, um, how he kind of highlights the drug abuse that's going on with, like, a lot of people. And we see that, you know, today. And, like, people I know that are my age that have no, you know, purpose to be hooked on drugs or anything like that are, you know, getting spun out on prescription drugs daily, which is not cool. And he's, like, kind of voicing that in this book, I think, a lot is, like, with his mom and stuff like that and how being addicted to substances can just ruin your life and ruin lives around you because it's not just you you're hurting, you're hurting other people. And, um, yeah, what, what I, that's what I like about this book and how it speaks about that too because that's a huge problem going on with, like, people, you know, just getting workman's comp and stuff, and then they get hooked on a bunch of painkillers, and the next thing you know, they don't even get up from bed anymore. They're just like, oh, I'm still hurt, you know, because it's just all a bunch of placebo drug, sh- you know, for lack of a better word, you know, schmuck going through their head. Other than that, yeah, that was, that's one of the things that really spoke to me. Um, is there anything else to kind of add to this?
2: Anything you guys wanted to say? Like, that makes a lot of, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I've seen I've seen friends go down, like, fucked up paths. Sorry, right. I guess I shouldn't curse, but, um, like, I'm probably a little, I, I took, like, a decade to work, so, like, I'm probably a little older, and so, like, I remember, like, what was it, like, before the opioid, opioid epidemic coming through, like, uh, heroin killed, like, five of my friends, like, right out of high school. Right. Yeah. And, like, I know plenty of people that were, like, hooked on shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I came from, like a, like, a relatively, like, nice-ass part of fucking California. Yeah. And, like, that shit's fucking dangerous. That shit's, like, super dangerous. And you can start fucking anywhere. It's super
0: dangerous. I see too many people... You know, taking benzos, I've seen Xanax and stuff like that, and they think that it's like a party drug or something like that. And next thing you know, they're like waking up, taking it, they're going to sleep, taking it. They don't even know they went to sleep, they don't know where their keys are, they don't know where their phone is, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, they're like homeless and they're like living in their car. Like, I have a couple of friends that are still living in their car, which is not cool. And it sucks because one of my friends, who I didn't know, like, one of my friends, his friend was living in his car and recently, you know, committed suicide. Just, just, took everything, took his whole stash and just killed him. And it's heartbreaking because, you know, these people just, just dead end themselves. You know, they just, they do it to themselves and it's like terrible because they have the uh, the ability to go and get these 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 items they are sold, you know, they can basically buy them over the counter, it seems like, with these prescriptions. And, you know, you just say a few things like, I'm, I got anxiety. Next thing you know, you're like, whoo, you don't got anything going on up there.
1: Yeah, I think that's the greatness of this novel because for people who like relate to it and who have experienced things like that with people in their lives, like they can read it and like, Oh my God, that's exactly how I felt in that situation. When people who have never experienced drug addiction are like, wow, this is happening. Like this is something that's occurring in our country, like in today's society. Like that's insane. So it definitely brought awareness to the whole drug addiction community as well as the cultural divide.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So, um, Well, I think that's all we got to say right now. I just want to thank everyone, David, Maddie, Suzanne, uh, I, myself, I'm Dominic again. Um, If we want to open up the discussion to the rest of the classroom to, you know, talk about some of the topics we talked about, or if you guys want to chime in and bring up a topic that we didn't cover, that'd be totally cool right now.